one year on from the start of the conflict in Ukraine. We had 1,500 security cases, hugely important to us. They're a time of high stress, potentially dangerous. Coming up, how the crisis began, how International SOS helped some of those escaping the fighting, and the lessons learned over the past 12 months. State versus state conflict is firmly back on the corporate risk agenda. So we have to get prepared. A plan has to be in place. Ukraine, one year on. A new podcast from International SOS. Hello, I'm Paul Osborne. It's a year since the simmering tensions between Russia and Ukraine boiled over into a major conflict that has had a huge impact around the world. It started before dawn. Ukraine woke to explosions around the capital, Kiev. Air raid sirens blared out across the capital. the clouds of fighter jet soared over our heads. Reporting from Sky News in the UK on the first day of fighting. As the crisis unfolded, we heard in a series of podcasts from people involved in International SOS's response, gathering the latest intelligence, giving the latest advice, and helping people in the heart of the conflict zone to reach safety. This crisis, it's it's a hugely consequential moment in global affairs. Helping to clarify how we thought things might evolve, providing some very pointed advice about threat to life situation. There's no situation here without risk. There's no perfectly safe option. The situation is constantly evolving. International SOS issued more than a hundred security alerts related to the conflict. Now, as the fighting in Ukraine nears its first anniversary, we'll examine its consequences in a series of podcasts. In later episodes, we'll look at the medical impact of the fighting and try to assess what's likely to happen in the coming months. But first, we're going to return to the start of hostilities in February 2022. I've been speaking to Phil Nolan, security director for assistance he was deployed to ukraine in the days before hostilities began and he told me about the preparations that he helped to put in place engaging with our providers on the ground providing client support directly uh, in terms of information requirements and meeting with clients on the ground and also general information gathering based on our assessments on the ground so route assessments um, also looking at hotel assessments railway assessments and Uh, assessments of the airports as well in Kiev and Lviv. So as the security situation begins to deteriorate, what are the key things that you need to have in place really before the fighting begins? So for me, we were looking at understanding access to uh, suitable accommodation for our clients, access to ground transportation embedded with the clients for their movements and requirements in the lead up to needing to either relocate within the country or to evacuate. Communications is clearly a big, big deal as well. So making sure that satellite phones and satellite telecommunications were up and running. And most importantly, having access to verified information. Clearly, that's what we were able to provide from the regional security center in Dubai. And then finally, having a plan, making sure that all of those things are lining up in the right way 
to support what we need to do on the ground. You mentioned the importance of getting good intelligence, good information to inform the advice that you're giving and the actions that you're taking. But in a situation like that, where you have a deteriorating security situation and a lot of misinformation flying around and disinformation, how do you go about making sure that you're getting the right information? That is the probably the, one of the most difficult things to, to ascertain and get that verified information. We will have access to open source information that we're able to sift through within the regional security centers so clearly remotely from what is happening on the ground. And we're able to get some element of verification through understanding those trusted sources. We're then able to engage with our providers on the ground and we're able to ask the very direct question of what we're seeing through open source then be able to confirm what is taking place on the ground. And then clearly um, at that stage also, uh, having myself uh, and just before I was there, we had also two security managers in Ukraine conducting a, a country visit as part of our usual assessments process. Having those sources on, on the ground to ask the direct questions about what we are trying to verify is really important. Um, so those are the sort of the main areas and main ways we would um, we would ascertain uh, the verified and corroborated information. When did you first start to get a significant number of requests for assistance? And, and what was that like as the numbers needing help starts to rise? So we'd had quite a few requests for assistance in the weeks leading up to probably early February. And then we had a change of evacuation level on the 12th of Feb, so full evacuation. As you can probably imagine, that did actually spike quite a bit of interest in our client population. And at that stage, we started to see a slight increase in uh, requests for assistance to move people out of the country. The biggest spike, though, came on the day of invasion, on the 24th of February, a significant climb in case activity. In total, between the 12th of Feb and the 31st of March, we had 1,500 security cases. Well, Victor Panchak was also caught up in those early days during the crisis in Ukraine. He was working in security, though he has since joined International SOS as a security solutions director. Uh, he points to a survey of more than 100 Ukrainian businesses conducted just weeks before the start of the conflict, which shows how unprepared many were. Was the business ready? The short answer is no. 54% of all companies did not even take particular steps to get prepared. It was around 5 to 7% of all companies in Ukraine that have been somehow ready with their clear response actions. So if we go forwards to the, the day of the beginning of the conflict on the 24th of February, there must have been some big problems that you faced in those early days. First, and probably the most important, was failure to activate emergency management plans. Third-party security service providers and medical service providers, they have been impacted as a lot of their staff members, being reserved military or law enforcement officers, have been mobilized and called up. And it was no longer the matter of money to pay for an evacuation, but rather to find a resource, a trusted resource, to conduct an evacuation. Let's go back to Phil now. Phil, there must have been some particularly challenging situations among those requests for assistance you were talking about. I mean, every time we, we have to deal with client requests, they're obviously very important to our clients, hugely important to us. They're a time of high stress, potentially dangerous for our clients, obviously. We often supported our medical colleagues 
in a joint up effort to, to support our clients. On one particular occasion, we had a relative of a client, an elderly gentleman, blind, had some motion sickness. He was traveling with his daughter. My direct involvement was around dealing with the provider to plan and assess the route from Kiev through to the Polish border. We understood anyway that the, the gentleman, because of his medical condition, couldn't walk the 700 meters between the Ukraine and Polish border. However, through our contacts, through our network, we're able to coordinate with the Polish ground ambulance that was due to meet the gentleman with the Ukrainian authorities to allow the ground ambulance to pass from the Polish border through to the Ukrainian side to collect the gentleman and to then move him across to Poland and to safety. Quite a few operational challenges within that move in itself, on top of all the, the close monitoring that we were, we were already doing, but then also that coordination piece with the authorities to ensure um, the safe passage of the patients through to Poland. I wanted to ask both of you what you see now as the main takeaways from that time, the lessons, as it were, for a future crisis. For me, I would say that we need to look at having early passage of information. And that was really key for our clients, enabling them to make decisions for leadership ahead of the invasion was uh, one of the key elements full visibility in terms of monitoring of those uh, requests for assistance. Also, having access to all of the things that we would hope people have access to. Suitable accommodation, safe ground transportation with suitable drivers, communications, absolutely vital in those times as well. All security professionals have to learn from this. The first one is about business operations security it has to be seriously and substantially upgraded. Emergency preparedness, physical security, and succession to protect business security front lines and enable response actions. The second one, information security is high on the agenda again. So more attention on business security standpoint should be given to securing internet-facing systems and remote security solutions. The power of timely, accurate, and trusted intelligence in decision-making, especially during a crisis, is really vital. You have to stay with your teams in the crisis, lead by example, and use high-security industry standards equipped with your service providers on the ground, so you will be best prepared in this case to face the worst in case it comes. Presumably, you're still providing assistance to people in Ukraine. What sort of requests are you getting now? They vary from requests for information, what accommodation is suitable, ground transportation requests we still get. And clearly, there's there's always some element of a, a medical component involved here in terms of either understanding what is available to our clients or if there is a medical emergency, supporting them in getting out of the country. Actually, our most recent... Uh, request for assistance came two weeks ago. A media organisation needing to get a journalist out of country from the Dnipro. We supported in a ground move with our trusted provider in Ukraine from the Dnipro through to the Polish border. Just lastly, at the very beginning of this podcast, we heard somebody describing the situation in Ukraine as the worst crisis in Europe in many, many years. Looking back over the last year... Did either of you expect that you'd be dealing with something like this in Europe at this time? I didn't expect to be having to deal with this kind of activity. Looking at the scale 
of uh, the activity within Ukraine and the support that's required to our clients, the ongoing requirements. I didn't expect to be seeing something at, at this size. But I'd also say with that, we've been able to adapt and support our clients' requirements. So we've been enabling our clients to operate with these challenges because I'm sure they didn't expect to be having to deal with this kind of a this kind of scale um, of an operation and all the challenges that go with it. Hugely challenging for the country, hugely challenging for our clients. And clearly we have to stay flexible to support where we can. And I believe we're we're meeting the brief on, on that front at the moment. Security has become an essential part of geopolitics. And the threat of state versus state conflict is firmly back on the corporate risk agenda. So we have to get prepared. A plan has to be in place. We are all about security awareness. We have to take the lessons learned to ensure we're well prepared. We have equipped our companies, our clients with sufficient tools and resources. And we're here to support them to mitigate the risks. Victor Panchak, Security Solutions Director for International SOS, and before him, Phil Nolan, Security Director for Assistance. Next time, we'll find out about the medical impact of the conflict, both in Ukraine and its neighboring countries. Well, as the crisis in Ukraine continues, don't forget clients can access the latest information and alerts from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out more about our network of assistance centers available to clients 24-7. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye.